I said the Lord is good. Now, before we take our seats, can we quickly do our declaration? One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. And all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Say that amen like you believe it. Amen. Now understanding, today we come to you in a greater measure than ever before. Amen. Direction will come to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Healing by the entrance of the word is your portion today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now before you take your seats, can you just go around and greet like seven people? Seven, right? Yes, tell the person, understanding your portion today. Prophesy to somebody, bless somebody. Prophesy to somebody, bless the fellow. Prophesy to somebody. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles again to the book of um, John chapter 15. The book of John chapter 15 is where we are going to read again from today. Last time we began to, um, we did a small switch in our series. We were studying a series we titled Wanted, that is the kind of people that the Lord wants exactly. We began to look at that some time ago. And last week we did a switch and we began to look at God perfecting the vessels that he's going to use. Please let me just, okay, let's read this and I'll do a small recapitulation and join with today. All right, uh, first, uh, John chapter 15, let's read it again. The Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The branch is useless, he removes it entirely. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now please notice what the Lord Jesus was saying here. Okay, let's just read verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, what was Jesus saying here? Anybody who claims to be a Christian is a branch. Are you getting my point? Now, but a branch can refuse to abide. Please follow it. It's a deliberate thing the vine does, the branch does to abide in the vine. If it abides successfully, he will automatically bear fruit. It is not as if there are some qualities of branches that don't bear fruit. No, the problem with fruit bearing is a problem of abiding. If the branch abides, it will bear fruit. And Jesus said that to us categorically. In that verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. 
but apart from me, you can do nothing. So sometimes people want to bear fruit apart from the vine. And they don't realize that that's what they are trying to do. One major problem they have is that what they call fruit, the world entices them away into what it calls fruit. And they try to bear fruit apart from the Lord Jesus. And they get some results, but God just does not recognize those results. Paul made it clear to us, you can, your results can be made of chaff. It can be made of anything. It's when fire burns, we will know whether it is true results or it's fake results. Let's bear that in mind. So why are some branches not bearing fruit? It's simply because they appear attached to the vine. They claim to be Christians. They go to church, but they actually are not abiding in him. Why don't they abide in him? It's simple. It's called temptations. It's called the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. Why don't they abide? It is simply because they want something that the vine is not giving quickly. That is what happens. You know, I've said it before. Once I was meditating and I wondered, you know, when you're a young child, a young boy, a young, um, you know, a teenager, you're reading the Bible and they tell you that Israel backslid. You are wondering, why would they backslide? I don't know whether you are like me. I used to wonder, why would you backslide? With all the miracles God did in the midst of you. Now, let's even talk, forget the generations after. The ones that left Egypt, they were still doubting God. The ones that saw the ten plagues and they saw the ones that affected only Egyptians and cut them off separately. They saw how God split the Red Sea. Why on earth? How come people like that will still disobey God? That's how the human flesh behaves. We quickly forget. It is very easy to forget. You have to make up your mind not to forget. That's why God had to give a commandment concerning forgetting. He said, thou shall remember. Why would he say thou shall remember? Because he knows people will forget. And why do they forget? When the flesh starts desiring that which the master is not giving quickly. When the flesh starts desiring that which God is not supplying. So when they begin to want cucumbers, when they begin to want um, garlic, they want to eat all the foods they used to eat in Egypt. That is why they, back, they start forgetting. That's why they start backsliding. I used to wonder, why would people ever backslide when you've seen all those kind of things? But where we know it happened. It happened so much that God had to judge them. It happened so much that all of them perished in the wilderness apart from um, Joshua and Caleb and the children who were under the age of 20. You understand? People do, do such things. But what I'm going to emphasize is this. When some things distract us, we stop abiding. In today's Christianity, what I have noticed is, all right, I, I said at the meditation about this, I think yesterday or early this morning, that you see, let me just say it to us again. The problem we have had is we misunderstood prosperity. The problem we have had is that we, we misunderstood, you know, our testimonies were so full, we unconsciously, of course, some, those things are not bad, but we magnify them so much. Prosperity, we began to look at it as some, the, the things that God does materially. We began to equate prosperity with what he does materially. When he gives us money, we have houses. And then when we see, of course, listen, don't get me wrong. This is not bad, what I'm about to say. So now see ministers of the gospel flying private, you understand? And let me just tell you something. It's not a big deal. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It is the same thing as people driving cars. So don't make it look like uh, it's because they have private money. Let's leave it like that, okay? But unfortunately, because we have a poverty mentality, a mentality that thinks that that is a sign of abundance and prosperity, people start aspiring to them so that people gather to teach the word. We will put it in front, how you can use your feet to grab a private jet. You know, we we'll put it like that. And people start thinking that that is what prosperity is. 
Now, for that reason, and when you are following God and you follow him very well, if he doesn't think that's what prosperity is, he will not do it. Do you follow my point? And then we now start saying things like, uh, the problem with Christians is that um, they don't know how to manage the things of this world. We know we twist, <laughs> twist, twist, so that they will not start, now listen, I'm going somewhere. We now start mixing how to get material success as part of our message. And if we define prosperity wrongly, God will not say, because that's what we think, that's what he will do. Are you getting my point? So he will refuse to do it. He will refuse to do it. And we don't realize how he defines prosperity. This is what Christians must understand. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added to you. Those words were spoken directly by the Lord Jesus. But I think we have forgotten that he meant it. So we think when you are seeking righteousness, when you are seeking the kingdom of God, don't forget to seek prosperity. He said it will be what? Added. So we start spending much energy in things that are supposed to be added. In that process, that's where I'm going, we stop abiding in divine. That's where I'm going. Something has to take us away. People who don't bear fruit is because they stopped abiding. Why would they stop abiding? It's distractions. Why would they stop abiding? It's temptations of life. Why would they stop abiding? Because sometimes they will look and say, are you the one to come or we should expect another? They have their eyes set on something differently from what God is doing. And it's very important for us to pray, everybody, so that you understand what God is doing really. And so that you will not be expecting what he's not planning to do. When the Messiah was coming, that was a great disappointment. That's why Jesus was crucified. Because what they were expecting as a Messiah is not this Jesus. I mean, Messiahs don't come, you know, showing compassion on people. Messiahs kill people. That's what Israel understood. A Messiah will come and shake up the tyranny of the Romans. So when Jesus came and they said, this is the Messiah, and it had to be a joke. This Messiah is preaching. The David, who was the type of Messiah that he understood, David didn't preach. David fought. He got them their peace through war. Look, that was what they understood. Then this your Messiah now came. He's preaching, love your neighbor as yourself. And he now made some libelous and some treasonable and some, some heretic statements. Like if a Roman soldier tells you to go with him one mile, you will go with him two miles. When a Roman slaps you on the right cheek, you will turn the left. Now, this guy can't be the Messiah. The Messiah will know when a Roman slaps him on the right cheek, he kills a hundred Romans. That's what David was. When David is angry, you know what happened to Philistines? When he wants to marry, you know what happens to Philistines? When they say, bring bride price. It's Philistines that is bride price. Dead ones, so. For that reason, they missed Jesus when he came. They saw the Messiah, yet they crucified him. Because they did not understand that the most important bondage was bondage to sin. They did not understand that the most important bondage was bondage to Satan. They did not understand that for Satan to have lordship over you was the most important bondage. Like I said the other time, the bondage of the Romans was even messy. Because, you see, the Romans kept them in check to certain extents. They didn't understand it. So that, why do people stop abiding? When God is doing things in their lives, they don't understand. They start telling you that this is, um, uh, this is the fifth year. I'm due for my breakthrough. Why? Because in those five years, they expected that by now, my income should have gone up at least 20-fold. 
By now, I should, I should have bought my own land. By now, I should at least have two cars. Five years. We I say, what is God doing? I hope you're getting my point here. That's why people stop abiding. People now start tempting them. Come aside. Let's go after other gods. There is no reason on earth. People, other gods are not sweet. The reason why people go after other gods is because they promise quicker results. Those other gods often ask for things that the normal God does not ask for. They ask for odd sacrifices. The only reasons why people still follow them, two reasons. One, they promise quick results. And then they carry, they, 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 they look away from your iniquities and your transgressions. That's why people stop abiding. Because of quick results, the desire for quick results. Let's bear that in mind. But if anybody will abide, Jesus said, he will bear fruit. Now my teaching is for those who are abiding. If anyone will abide, Jesus said, he will bear fruit. And then when he's bearing fruit, what's the master going to do? He will now prune him so that he may bear more fruit. And that's what we are teaching in this short series which we began last time. God perfecting his vessels. Remember, the first five or six messages of the year when we talked about wanted, what I emphasize, and anybody listening to this should please begin from that end. In that wanted, we describe the kind of person that God is looking for. I need to go over that for a few minutes. God is saying, I don't want Christians who are looking for material things. I don't want people that see me only as an ever-present help in the time of need. It is not as if that's not part of his titles, but they, I don't want people that only see me for that. That is, I'm a place they get good things for, from. So that they twisted their doctrines, so that anything that is sweet, that's all I do. If it's not sweet, it is not me. I don't want Christians like that. We have established that those who seek material things don't get them. That in God, those who get the things that we call material blessings, Jesus said they are the ones that seek after righteousness. When John the Baptist was baptizing, I need to remind you, we discussed it. He did not promise healing. He did not promise, um, you know, um, food, the miracles. He didn't do any of those things. John the Baptist, the only promise he, all right, the only promise he gave to people was deliverance from the judgment to come. That if you follow me, you will be delivered from the judgment to come. That was, if you call it promise, that's the only promise he, he, he gave. But you see, what he emphasized on was righteousness. He said, come for a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, when people followed John the Baptist, we have already explained, John the Baptist did not do any mighty work. We read that from the book of John. He didn't do any mighty work. The greatest work John did was to prophesy concerning Jesus. The greatest thing he did was to identify Jesus for his close disciples. But as for healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, making the lame walk, John didn't do anything like that. Yet, we did a small estimate. We're not very sure, but we, uh, from our own calculation, John probably started his ministry. He was preaching for a long time, but then the word, the word of the Lord now came to him strongly at a particular point in time when he began that baptism thing. At what time? I'm not very sure. But let's assume as a late teenager or in his early 20s. But for one thing is fairly certain. For more than 10 years, John, the, John was baptizing and doing no miracles. But what did he do? He prepared the people for the Lord Jesus. And those who received his baptisms, baptism were the people that Jesus did miracles for. That's why a man would not even know who Jesus was. And Jesus would walk up to him and tell him, do you want to be healed? Get up, be healed. The spirit of faith will pass from Jesus into that man. Listen, you must understand the kind of thing that Jesus gave to people. It was not only miraculous power. The spirit of faith also, he imparted it. 
That man took a dose of the spirit of faith and had the boldness to get up when a stranger told him to get up. We know he didn't know Jesus. They said, why are you carrying on the, on the Sabbath day? So the man who healed me said, I should carry. If I drop it, I go back to my sick bed. <laughs> so I will carry. What was the point? This man did not, was not believing God per se like that. He didn't even know who Jesus was. But because of the preparation that John had done, the lives of people like him, he received the miracle. And I'm saying again, that's what God, that's what Jesus told us categorically. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's people who are seeking righteousness, that his prosperity is not as important to them as righteousness is. That for them, breakthrough is that even at the risk of losing everything, if I swear to my heart, I don't change. And I'm a businessman. That it is more important to me that I have a good name. That if I do business for 10 years and I don't build a house, I do business, you know, for 10 years and I really don't make, so a, lot of, make a lot of money. But every time I walk past, people point that if that man tells you good night in the morning, better run, it's night. That is, he's such a man of integrity, we know everything he says is true. That man that's going, if everywhere is dark and he tells you good morning, check, it's done. That's a man of integrity. Anything he tells you is true. So, so I do business for 10 years. And that is one thing I come away from that place. I didn't, I didn't buy a big car, I didn't build big houses, but I came out of that with that. And they say his God is a true God. If he ever makes you a promise, he will never fail. Why? Because he fears one particular person. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting my point? That is prosperity. That is prosperity. If you listen to our series, complete all the three level prosperity, I explained it. That there's prosperity of the spirit, there's prosperity of the soul, and there is physical prosperity. When a man has a good name there, we describe it as soul prosperity. The most important prosperity, prosperity can be arranged in that level of all, in the order of importance. The spiritual prosperity is the most important, and the physical prosperity is the least important. It is the least important. So if a man has a lot of money, doesn't have a good name, he has not prospered much. Henry Ford even said it. He said, any man can achieve anything if he sets his mind to it. He said, but if in achieving anything, you lose a good name, he said, you have not prospered much. If in achieving anything, you don't have a good reputation, he said, you have not prospered much. That was Henry Ford. So prosperity. I hope you're getting my point here. So we understand all of these things, okay? So, if I'm doing business, therefore, I'm more, those things are more important to me. We need to redefine prosperity. So, when, when the, the true believer in Christ Jesus is more important, righteousness is more important to him. But the world has turned it upside down. You know, the other day I was watching Shark Tank. I don't know how many of you have seen that program. Beautiful thing. I encourage you to watch it. You learn a lot about business world and all of that. But there was something one of them said there. I said, this is, this is what I'm trying to say. And that's Mark, the, 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 the Monjon. The Monjon said, look, I like a man who's greedy. And he says this a lot of times. He said, I like you. You are greedy. No matter how nice he tries to sound about it, greed is bad. If you watch that Shark Tank, one very interesting man, the very intelligent man, but very, very obnoxious, and very, but very inter- interesting man, is um, Mr. Wonderful. They call him, uh, what is his real name? Anyway, they call him Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful, by the time he finished, he said, look, all that matters is money. I enjoy watching it, but I said, this man, very intelligent man. If one, in fact, he's the second, in my own opinion, when it comes to analysis of your presentation. He has done a small calculation. Look, he's very, very good with figures. So at the end of the day, let's talk about what matters. Money. And I said, this is wrong. No matter how much you have prospered, that is not prosperity. 
Are you getting my point? Money. That's not prosperity. That's not what prosperity is. I understand that greed is not prosperity. It's not good. No matter how rich you are, if you are greedy, you have not prospered much. So those of us who are true believers, we are more interested in righteousness than any other thing. And those are the people that God wants to use. I've been establishing that. Those who are more interested in righteousness than any other thing. To them, righteousness is the thing. Righteousness is the key. Money does not drive them up and down. They understand the purpose of life. We said those who are with the Lamb are the called. We read that from John, um, Revelation chapter 17. The called, the chosen, and the faithful. Faithfulness is not a theoretical thing. A man is judged to be faithful when his principles he's walking by wants to fail him, but he sticks by them. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You, look, if everything works well, let me just tell you something, believers. Believers, listen to this. The fact that you have trouble is the will of God. Are you getting my point? It is the will of God. Do you know why? That is the only time he can test faithfulness. That is the only time he can test faithfulness. If every time you put 10,000 naira down, it becomes a million naira. Why will you steal? I don't know whether you're getting my logic. Don't, be, don't feel very terrible that something is not going right. Because if things don't go wrongly, faithfulness cannot be tested. I hope you're getting my point. Faithfulness is only tested when things are wrong. That's why James said it that way. Beloved, what do you do? Count it joy. All joy. Count it as a joyful thing when you fall into diverse trials. That is, I invest money and I lost it. James said, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Why? It's a trial of your faith. It's a trial of your faith. Because if everything worked well, even the criminals will stop stealing. I hope you're getting my point. I mean, <laughs> I remember one joke I saw. There was when they said they found is it fifty-eight million dollars in an apartment in uh, Ekoi. So they showed one colo- one uh, Mexican drug dealer calling a friend in Nigeria. He said, "Oh boy, you mean somebody can do that amount of money without doing drugs? Please, how do I become a Nigerian citizen?" <laughs> he said, "You can get that amount of money without doing drugs." He said, "Oh boy, how do I do it? I, I have to become a Nigerian." All this one shooting people running up and down. How much are we getting? <laughs> so that's, 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 that's what God is saying. So that's why James said, Beloved, count it all joy when you fall into what? Diverse trials or temptations. What he said is this, because the trial of your faith works patience. Why? Look, people, Christians don't understand it. It doesn't mean a man doesn't have faith. It means his faith is being tried. And when are you judged faithful? When in the midst of the trial, you stick, you stick to the principle that you understand. You stick with it. Listen, you know what God wants in this generation? People are ready to die for him. I'm telling you the truth. So all these suicide bombers, they are, they, are, they are examples for us. The difference between them and us is that we don't kill people in the process. And we don't die uselessly. But when it comes to dying for a cause, we are willing to do it. That's what's called faithfulness. Sticking with what is right. Oh, God is demanding it now. Is demanding it. People that will be hungry, but they will not steal. People that will go into government office and every day they are signing, you know, contracts for billions of naira, and they will never ask anybody for anything. If you ask, it's called covetousness. It's covetousness. You're not supposed to ask. 
If your job is sign the papers, sign the papers and go. I, it's important for Christians to testify, to start giving, no, for us to start deriving joy in certain kinds of testimonies. It's not testimonies that at the end of the day I gain something. There are times you just praise the Lord. I want to let you know, brethren, yesterday my name is um, James, the brother of um, John. I want you to know, I want just all of you to know that yesterday Herod killed me. For the faith, I am now in heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody will get up and clap. Hallelujah. After what happened to the people at that time, they were flogged. They were beaten. And they went home doing what? Rejoicing. Why? That they were counted worthy of being flogged for the name of Jesus. No more than the Christianity. When they want to flog, you say, I command that hand not to move. I'm the son of a king. You don't flog a child of God. And that's the testimony we have. I know, I believe that. It sounds very nice. Flesh, flesh likes it. It's the flesh. The flesh loves it. The flesh loves it. But these people, they were flogged very well. And want not to speak in that name again. And then they went back home and started comparing their stripes. Was your own? No, that guy who beat is not strong. The one who beat me is a strong one. No, I'm just making a joke of it. But they were taking pride in the fact that they were flogged. That is, get sacked for Christ. Be happy. You know, you know you can get sacked, fired. How do you get fired for Christ? It's the same way Daniel went into the lion's den for Christ. So it's not, don't think I say, as I was preaching in the office, disturbing everybody, they now sack me. That's not what I mean. <laughs> because some Christians, are, some Christians are being persecuted for foolishness sake, not for, it's not for righteousness. Some people are being persecuted purely for foolishness. What do I mean? Your boss has a girlfriend. You now say he won't enter the office today. <laughs> Excuse me. How is that your problem? Who made you a judge and an enforcer over his marriage? And I said, this must stop. He call his wife. I want to report or God to you. You know what? They are going to fire you. Amen? amen. Say amen now. Huh? Uh, but that is for foolishness sake. That's not righteousness sake. But when they say Moga, who you, he was committing adultery, he didn't say anything. Because that's not professional work. It doesn't concern the work, his personal life. He now says, change this 2,000 to 20,000. He says, sir, lie, lie. So I'm not going to do that. I, it's an instruction. Say, excuse me, sir. It's 2,000. I'm the one that makes the expenditure. Write 20,000. I'm sorry, I can't. If I do, I will not be able to sleep at night. I will sack you. Go ahead. Happened to me before. You know the funny thing? I didn't even, this is what I want to tell you. It's not really figures. <laughs> I didn't even consider it temptation. I just thought it's like this man, you're not serious. I didn't think it was trial like persecution. I was working in a clinic. I still remember the name of the clinic in the Uroshoki in Lagos. I worked there for, was it three weeks before I got sacked? <laughs> Shortly after NYC. <laughs> I was in the place. So I applied for the job. The man liked me. We got along very well. I proved a fair, a good pay for me. <laughs> he should have told me all he did was run an abortion clinic. You say he's a hospital, so I came to work. Most time, why is the doctor? Let's start working. Except every time I sit down, <laughs> young women are always queuing up looking for something. I missed something. I was walking on the road, they got missing. So, <laughs> so after a while, I got the point. I said, all right, no wahala. 
the man who terminates pregnancy sees his office. I mean, like, we had two consulting rooms. He was in the next one, I was in one. <laughs> so one day he called me. That I had noticed the number of patients I see and the number of patients he sees. I said, oh, God, the ones I see, they have malaria. They have, <laughs> you understand, they are sick. The ones you see, <laughs> they are, they are, something is missing. <laughs> and it's not my office, they'll come and look for it. I can't remember, you know, I, I, I did one girl like that <laughs> one of those days. Okay, she started, I said, what's the problem? He said, I missed my period. I said, and they told you to come and look for it here. <laughs> I, I told her that. God is my witness. I told her that like that. And she started laughing in my mind. You are laughing. I should slap you. <laughs> so the man calls me that day and said that, um, why? I said, oh, got me. I said, with all this respect, against my principles, it's against my faith, it's against the law of Nigeria. Don't get me involved. He said, he's not telling me to do the procedure, he's just telling me, him, me to date the pregnancy and build the patient. I said, excuse me, sir, we are both Yoruba men. Yoruba men say the man that stole the oil and the one that carried it, both of them, what are they? <laughs> ah, let's leave this matter. It's not a morality. What I mean, I'm not trying to impose my morality on you. I'm just saying, don't get me involved. Say, in that case, I can't work for him. Okay, let me go. So we did a small calculation. He even calculated wrongly. Because the money was more than it was supposed to be. He wrote me a check for the part of the money I had done. I put it in my pocket. And I left. I got fired. <laughs> you know, until today, I'm telling you, I didn't think it was persecuted. I didn't think it was anything. It was not. You know, let me say, there were things that just wouldn't happen. These were things that wouldn't happen. Don't, don't, don't I mean, what are you saying? I did, I did my youth service in, 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 in military barracks that time now. One guy said, ah, don't worry, he will show me the way to do what, how to make money. I didn't remember the name of the soldier. I won yourself. Oh. I didn't, <laughs> now I said, I can't do for you. Leave me alone. One day, one guy called me and said, I beg, he needs help. What do you need help with? There's this girl. Ah, oh, they, they are started again. I said, my guy, I said, remember the, the day the guy saw me. I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Ah, why not? I said, if I do, I will die and go to hell. That's a very easy way to solve it. Don't be arguing anything with anybody. He said, no, this is a hellfire matter. <laughs> Once you say like that, bros, they will leave you alone. That day I told that man, he wrote me a check, and I remember I went and bought shoes with my check. I didn't have good shoes that time. Very nice one. I just went down to Balogo. Bought very correct Italian shoes with my sack money. <laughs> the Lord is good. So with believers, no, this is the generation that God is calling us into. People who enjoy, I mean, they, they, that is, righteousness is what they enjoy. It's not what it produces. That's what they call faithfulness. Remember we said faithfulness comes in three levels. One, of course, you know, the called, the chosen, and what? The faithful. Now we said that faithfulness, we, we, we broke it down again to three levels. There's normal faithfulness, there's continued faithfulness, and there is increasing intensity of faithfulness. Those are the three levels. Yes, we have become faithful, but we must persist in faithfulness. People wear out. Asa wore out. Peace is very interesting. Peace can make you become unfaithful. What else is a matter of fact? Peace can make you become what? Unfaithful. That was what happened to Asa. And that was why James wrote it clearly to us. Be loved. Be happy when you fall into diverse trials. Listen to me. When you were in school, you had a lot of financial issues. NYSC, shortly after, 
financial issues tight. You learn to believe God. You learn to manage money. You learn to do all of those things. Then after, you know, so you're at peace for 10 years. Then suddenly things are not going as well as they used to go. Let me just tell you, don't feel terribly bad. That's the problem of prosperity. That's the problem of peace. It makes people backslide. So what God does is to allow something to wake you up again. What he's just telling you is that go back to those days. Learn those prayers again. Know how you used to pray. Know the discipline you had concerning money. Because over the last 10 years, you have prospered. Every new phone that comes out, you've been buying. You didn't realize that God doesn't like it. you see as we go on. You know, God is very, very, very interested in the fine details of our lives. He wants to be sure we are disciplined. We are responsible. Sometimes when we begin to show signs of irresponsibility, he has to wake us up. What happened to Asa? That was all. Asa had been at pit for 35 years. Ah, God said, look, this boy is backsliding. He sent him a little bit of temptation to learn, to teach him how to pray again. To teach him how to depend on God. Because what happens at the time of peace, all right, the natural order of things, how do I say it now? Let, let me say let, let me give an example. As his king, all right, in the time of peace, you build a very strong army. Maybe when Nasser took over, he had a small army. Enemies were against him. He prayed. The Ethiopian, the Libyan, what you call Libyans now, the Libyans, they were a great and immense army. They came against him. Asa trusted God and he overcame them. When time of peace, no happens, Asa will build more chariots, more tanks, more military, <laughs> let's use today's more military aircraft, more gunships, you know, helicopter gunships and all of that. And after a while, he will look at his army and he will feel safe. David said it like this, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. That's what happens. So the man will look at his army. Then God says, hi, once you start, you stop trusting in God, he has to wake you up. So only Joseph was to bring a bigger army. What that was supposed to do for Asa was just to make him remember that safety is of the Lord. Even though I have these chariots, I have these horses, I have these military things, safety is of the Lord. That's all God just wanted to remember. And if he had remembered it, he would have overcome, he would have overcome his enemies in a short while. But instead of remembering it, the man was too backslidden. He was sending, taking things from, listen, that's how you know you are backslidden. Asa took things from the temple of God and the royal palaces and sent them to Ben-Hadad for help. This is how you know you are backslidden. Time of prayer, time of study, you have, you have become such a big businessman. We have not seen it the last one month. What happened? You're always busy. You used to be in Bible study regularly. There's a time, the God will not give you small trouble that will make you be looking for me up and down. And you trust me now, I will tell you, see me during Bible study. Every Bible study, I'll be too tired to talk to you. It's God, not me. I didn't even know you were in trouble. After you could be coming for four weeks, in the fifth week, you say, Pastor, that discussion is not even necessary. As you, I was listening to you preach for four weeks, I just realized where the mistakes were made, and the, the Lord began to help me. I even dreamt the other night, and I saw God fighting my battles. Next time I tell you that, are you busy? Like, like busy, how can I be busy? <laughs> Many Christians, eh? once God opens the door for them, you don't see them again. That is what it means that you take things from the temple and you give to Ben-Hadad. That's one of the dangers of prosperity. You prosper in the midst of that prosperity. You start depending upon it. And occasionally, trouble comes. Child of God, anytime you have trouble, it's, time for, it's, it's for prayer's sake. Anytime you have trouble, it's so you can go and pray and learn to rely on God again. Faithfulness has to be, you know, maintained. And then, last of all, I said, faithfulness must be what? 
intensified. It must continue increasing. And that's actually what we are talking about. I just did all of that to just join with what we have been saying. All right? Now, let's read this particular scripture. So bear that in mind. When we continue to abide in divine, we will bear fruit. And if we are bearing fruit, God wants us to bear even more fruit. And what it does is to prune. What does it mean to prune? Every encumbrance is removed. Every limitation, everything that limits our race is removed. Please let me remind us of something we said before. We are not talking to Christians now who are looking for what they can get away with. People come and argue that, uh, where did God say we can't marry two wives? Please, I'm asking you, don't engage in any foolish discussion like that. You are talking to people who are not serious. Where is it in the Bible that we can't smoke? Listen, it's not in the Bible that you can't smoke. I'm not, really, my understanding of it is that smoking is a sin, you go to hellfire. It's not true. It's not true. It doesn't send people to hellfire. Because overeating is as bad as smoking. You say, I destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you are chopping other food, whose temple do you think you are destroyed? Everything is bad. But you say, I don't want to get involved in argument with somebody that, uh, where the Bible says we can't smoke. Why do you want to smoke? Why should I be arguing with you? Are you mad? Of the things, that, of the important things in this life, I will spend my energy arguing with you on why, why smoking is bad for you. That's the job of a doctor, not the job of a pastor. You want to know whether smoking is bad? I send you to a doctor. Don't come to a church to ask whether smoking is bad. Go to the hospital. When you see the problems it causes, then come back and discuss. It's like telling me, okay, I, I have this habit of knocking my head against the wall five times in the morning. Say, is it bad? And you're asking me, you should see a psychiatrist. How can you be addicted to something? Don't you know that cigarette smoke is very addictive? You are in bondage. You are coming to this, argue with me. Where eh? you say you can't smoke? Bros, one day, one of my colleagues he put me in a chat group. So he posted something one day on cigarette smoking. Most people there are Catholics. I think I'm doing non-Catholic there. The one reverend father now posted that uh, Kinikon, everything must be done in moderation, including smoking. That if you want to smoke, ask me in moderation. I, I, I can't ask good enough. Many people there are doctors. I said, what is the dose of poison that is safe? No, I said, and I said they should ask the Reverend Father for me that please, what dose of poison is reasonable? How can I do smoking in moderation? Ah, how do you do smoking in moderation? I said, you know the problem with people, when they can't break the power over some things, they start making excuses for them. What am I going to say? Please, I don't have time with, with, for Christians who are still arguing on some little, little things. Said that uh, somebody wrote a, wrote a mail once to, to us that uh, I, I said that uh, it is not right for a Christian to demand to marry from their place. But Abraham told Eliezer to go to his home, hometown. Is it hometown that he said? I don't even know. His people to go and get a, an, a, a wife for Isaac. If you ask me that kind of mail these days, I won't answer you. Let me just say, I don't have your time. I think Christianity has moved beyond that level. That I will not be here discussing with you. Or whether your wife must come from your village and you're a Christian. So you don't even know which one is your village anymore. As a believer in Christ Jesus. <laughs> no, if it's 2019, you still don't understand that Christians, their village is in heaven. As a you know, there are things I just assume that every Christian should know. That whether you are white, black, yellow, pink, whatever it is, we are all one in Christ Jesus. That there's no wall of partitioning again. There's what is called your father was a Hittite and your mother an Amorite. You understand my point? <laughs> We've left those things behind. We're now citizens of heaven. You're not telling me that. Okay. I won't answer you. I'm just warning you now. I won't answer you. <laughs> I believe that life is too important. You no, know, there are serious things happening. Remember what discussed last time extensively? 
Athletes. We talk about the athlete spirit. How they behave. Athletes don't check. Look, IWAF, that is International Athletic Something Federation. And IWAF, I wanted to say, not IW, sorry. IWAF, alright? They've bounced things that are performance enhancing. If you have to race, you can't use ephedrine. You can't use amphetamines. You can't use steroids. They have a, lot of, they have a long list of banned substances. You can't even use things that, you know, that's what they call, uh, uh, um, anyway, there's this drug that used to increase your blood level. They know how to detect it. All these are performance enhancing things. They are banned. So for us Christians, we call them what? Sin. Anything that God bans is what? A sin. Good. But these athletes, they are things that they ban themselves. By themselves, they ban them. No pounded yam the night before the race. The morning of the race, do I need to tell you? You can't even drink milk. Because this is draw blood out of your muscles into your intestine. There are things you don't do. Professional, high-level guys like um, Hussein Bolt, who gave us an example last time, they have people paid to watch what they eat. In fact, once I, I read a book about bodybuilders when they are going for their shows and all of that. Do you know the water they drink? They can't drink water from tap. They drink deionized water to remove every sodium so they don't retain fluid. This is carrying bottle. The water they are drinking is special. So Paul said, what are they doing? All the things that are lawful. They check the ones that are what? Expedient or not expedient. That's Christianity for you. People who know that this life is a race. People who know that this life is a race. You know, <laughs> Pai Elton, he said he had only one child. Not for the reason that earthly-minded Christians have these days. You know how earthly-minded Christians have, you know, there are reasons for having only one child. Or 1.5. Or two. You know the reason they have? You know, two reasons. One very wicked reason, and the second one very fearful reason. The first one is wicked and selfish. The other one is fearful. Both of them iniquity. Alright? The first wicked one is that, you know, you want to be able to take them abroad, you want to go for holidays, you want to be able to kind of, if you have many now, you can't carry many children, poverty. Of course, you know you'll be poor, so that's why you're talking like that. I don't know, that Dangote can carry a whole village. So let's leave that thing. But anyway, the first one is, yeah, you want to carry them abroad, you want to, you know, of course, lies, okay, but let's just assume they are telling the truth, but all, you know, selfishness. The second one is, ah, schooling is expensive these days, though. How are you going to give good quality education to five children? Listen to me, I intend to give good quality education to 1,000 children, and I keep counting. They may not be mine, are you getting my point? But God should prosper us to a particular level that will stop counting the number of children we have educated. That's the fearful second reason. But Pai Elton didn't use any of these reasons, but he had only one child. Now, you see what I'm going to say. What was his reason? His own reason was spiritual. Mind the things above only. First, <laughs> the wife he married was not a, look, was not Chiquito. His wife was, I think, 12 years older than him. Can't remember the exact number of years. They came to Nigeria together to do missions. Listen, if you are listening to Iadeboye today, that's the reason you can hear him. If a man like Archbishop Benson Daosa was raised, that is the reason why he existed. If you are listening to Bishop Iadeboye today, that is the reason. W.F. Kumi, all these big, big men who are now in their 70s and all of that, 
Those are the biliacon. Those are the that's the man that God used to lay a foundation for all of them. He came to Nigeria as a missionary. His wife came to take care of him. The man will be driving all over Nigeria. He said, I have this book. He said he decided to have only one child for a simple reason. He came to Nigeria long ago, not today. Is in the 30s or so? Or no, long ago. His reason? He said, being a white man, the way things were, his child had to be educated back at home. Came from, from England. And that he has work to do. He does not believe in separating families. So he will not be able to spare the time away from the work he has to do. So he had to limit his family to the one that they could just handle. It wasn't about poverty. When he died, he had warned everybody ahead of time that nobody should waste time burying him. So they kept the corpse only for his daughter to arrive. But that, that girl was the only child was not a big girl. They waited only for her to arrive. They buried him that evening like a Muslim, and everybody went back to work. Why? He had given strict instructions that burial ceremony is a waste of time. All of you go back to work. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. All things are lawful, but sometimes we strip off some encumbrances that we have important things to do. We have important things to do. Can't be wasting time. When somebody's not coming to argue with me that the girl said you can't smoke. I said, oh, but I have basin and hedges in my house. Come, come and take. I dash you go and smoke. You want to go go? I buy a gallon for you. Drink. And leave me alone. I don't have time for your argument. Be getting me in 2019 involved with stupid arguments. Arguments meant for people who are who their Christianity is not serious. Look, when you want to discuss, discuss things that show that you are a front-runner athlete. Paul said, behave as if you are in a race and only one person can win. So you strip yourself of every encumbrance, every sin, every banned substance. And even the ones that are not banned, but they are not helping you. You strip yourself and you are moving forward. And that's, that, that's the kind of Christianity we are dealing with now. Let me say something to you. This is a warning. If we don't get that kind of Christianity, Boko Haram and their types will run the whole country over. You, there's no, listen, this is my understanding. Islam is a lukewarm force that God uses to replace Christianity. That the earth might be preserved a little longer. Because when people are not able to hold on to a form of morality that is good enough, he gives them some hard work to do. He puts masters over them who will, who, who will stone you to death if you commit adultery. Many of our communities are shouting Islamic advancement. Go and check how they commit adultery in their villages. Go and check it. Drunk, reckless people that bear names like Jeremiah. They have all kinds of Christian names. Go to their midst. I told their friends in, in, in Kaduna, they said that if they have to live somewhere, the only place you can have peace, that live in peace is where the names are all Muslim. They said they, they prefer to live in northern Kaduna. But the southern Kaduna people, you don't want to stay with them. But they are the ones that bear Christian names. No matter the political maneuvering you want to do, Islam will take you over. The only way they will not take you over is when Christianity becomes practical. And in practical terms, Jesus said it like this, except your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. 
He wasn't talking theoretical righteousness. He was talking practical righteousness. That if Muslims can... Look, you, you must understand that God has some practical forms of righteousness. What I mean by practical forms? He said, he that doeth righteously is righteous. There's something he was trying to say there. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. For example, listen. God came. He came down to Sodom and Gomorrah and said, the Christ have come up to me. I want to come down and see whether it is exactly the way it was said. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. Is that God in heaven cannot see from heaven? Is it that he can't see from heaven? Everything is laid bare. The Bible says with whom we have, with whom we have to do. He can't see everything. David said, even if I go to the depths of the mountains, that is the bottom of the oceans, you are there. What is it that he can't see from there? I said, so why did he now say, I've come to see? This is what I understood. That God was saying, when I talk about righteousness, an average human being will be able to see and know this is wrong, this is right. What I'm going to say, he came down in flesh to use the eyes of human beings to judge. I don't know whether you get my point. That Abraham, if I take you there, you said you will see that they deserve to die. That's what God was saying. That's why he would take Jeremiah, take him down to the temple, and he would see what the elders are doing in secret. Jeremiah, see. Don't take my word for it. Come and see with your own eyes. And you see the elders of Israel worshipping the sun in the east. Elders in secret. Worshipping strange gods. And these are priests. These are elders of Israel. God will say to Jeremiah, you said, look, look. So if you were God, wouldn't you judge them? That's what he was saying. He said, I have come to see. What is exactly like that? That's what he was saying. I want to use the eyes of human beings to judge. What am I going to say? Righteousness is practical. That is God is saying that if you claim to be Christians... And when you do business dealings, it is safer to deal with an allergy than with you people. I will replace you with Islam. Let me say it again. God is saying, I am watching. I'm giving you time. If the reputation continues that even your own brethren would rather deal with a Muslim than with a fellow Christian, it's a matter of time. I, the Lord, will replace you with Islam. I will remove your lamp from his place. Your lampstand, I'll take it away. Because your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. You cannot claim to be the people of God. And the people who you are saying that the sons of the bondwoman, they are better with women than you are. You laugh at them that their religion allows four wives, but which one of you don't have four girlfriends? Is it not now that we are convicting bishops of sexually molesting underage boys? Not girls, though. Then you want me to take sides with you against Islam because they say they can have four wives. Except your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Christianity is not a joke. God is saying if Jesus died and he cannot change people, that they will have a better moral life than Islam, I, the Lord, will use Islam to replace all of them. And there is nothing can can do. You can forward anything you want to forward anywhere. Mobilize because when I give a decree, no one can turn it back. That is why it upsets my soul. When I see Christians, pastors telling me that the power is in the PVC. Are you mad? PVC. Let me say, if you dare God, if you dare him, he will have military people take over again and release a decree of Sharia across the land. And this guy, Banky, will not pray against it. Let me tell you what God does. He gives time. He gives time. When he said, ten righteous people, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It was not as if 10 righteous was all we need. Is that they will give me reason to have, in quote, 
in quote, to have hope. And I will now give them time. I will come back next year, there must be 20. I will come back the following year, there must be 100. When I see them making constant progress, I will leave the land. But if they are 10 today, I come the next year, they are 10. I come the following year, they are 10. I open the tap, I level everybody, 10 of them included. Listen, this is our Christianity. It's an advancing force. If it's not advancing, it is dead. And any time it's dead, God cleans it out. That's why he says, the one that does not bear fruit, he removes. The one that does not bear fruit, he removes. Listen, the days of joking Christianity is over. The, the, the days of, I've gotten my visa, I praise the Lord with me. That is over. I've gotten my visa where life is simple. You know, Christians will open their mouths, and I need to keep saying this thing. Please stop insulting, because I lose respect for you when you talk in my ears. You don't know. When you elevate the fact that your child is going to be educated well in physics, in engineering, in business studies, and in atheism. When to that is more important than your neck, and UI, and ESUT, and UNILAG, and ABU. Why? Because the people here, they go on strike. Yet on the campuses here, nobody thinks you strange when you bow your head to pray before you eat. Nobody enters your room, sees you kneeling down, speaking other tongues, and thinks you are strange. No, they just close the door and they let you be. And they come back in 10 minutes. He says, have you finished praying? One of our brothers did a course in one of America's biggest universities, expensive universities, Duke. He said, Friday night, all of them go to parties. Because he does not go, they send psychologists to check on him. He said, he said, he was talking to me. He said, he said, I'm a married man. I'm in my 30s. I have two children. I'm a father. And look at the pressure they are putting me under. He said, how will a teenager stand against this one? That they all gather, classmates gather, and they are drinking, and he decides to take orange juice. Everybody's gossiping. Is that guy okay? Then you drop a teenager for four straight months. And to you, you are giving him the best education in life. If I tell you you are a fool, do you think I'm insulting you? Like I keep on saying, it's because we don't believe anything. Our faith doesn't matter to us. We believe more in a Harvard degree than the blessing of God. I, I keep on saying, Christians, wake up. You have not done your children any service. You have not. They will not do better than the boy that went to Unilag. They will not. Mark my words. These words are prophetic. They will not fall to the ground. These words I utter today will not fall to the ground. No child will do better than another because he went to a foreign, foreign university. So don't waste your money. Don't put your family under pressure. Where your children will get to, they will get there. Trust in the, the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Teach them how to do righteousness and justice. One of the things I teach my son, you know, when I'm trying to say, look, listen, nothing is difficult. If you're in class, it's happening, it's difficult. Bow your head and ask the Lord for understanding. That's what they need. We Christians live in such a manner that God has no option but to remove us and replace us with Islam. And we're there making noise. After all, why do we hate, why, why do most of us hate Buhari so much? That's just the reason. We think it's an Islamizing force. Let me give you the word of God again. Please believe it. He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, the word is gates. 
You know what it means? If the church is not advancing, it's in trouble. But if it is advancing, Islam can't stop it. If it is advancing, Islam can stop it. I'm not afraid of common nonsense. I don't believe in it. After all, David Paulson and other men have prophesied it. That UK is going to become Islamic. I will not rush in there. If, if, if we were really afraid of Islam, why are we rushing there? Has it not been prophesied that it will become an Islamic country? Or you don't believe in what's a prophecy again? There's no prophetic word hanging over Nigeria like that. Oh. I've, said, I've said again and again. I've said it many times. The issue that we don't believe, we are pretending. We don't believe. All these Christians, they are shouting Islam, Islam, Islam. Give them residency, listen to Kuwait. They will go, they won't come back. After all, they are already taking it to... Which one is worse? There are societies where everything is atheistic. They go there. Hmm. What am I saying? What the Lord needs now are serious believers who are pushing forward. They are the only ones that can keep the spread of Islam backward. Why? Because the Lord, the God of heaven and the earth, the Lord who establishes boundaries, who tells nations where to stop, who tells seasons when to start and when to end? Who tells dynasties when to rise and when to fall? The Lord that tells nations when to rise and when to go down. That Lord has released a decree. Say, Islam, replace every lukewarm Christian. He has released it. There is nothing you can do. Until their time is over, there is nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is to ensure that your Christianity is not lukewarm. Last time we talked about the book of Acts. Every time the church was at peace, it came under persecution. Once the church stopped advancing, it, was, it came under persecution. The church in Nigeria ruined the economy of Nigeria. Because of what's a loan, dollar went from 120 to 360 and stayed there. I don't have time to analyze that. Because of us Christians. God is watching us all the time. We spend more money flying on holidays than we spend on pushing the gospel into difficult areas. Once we have given that at cost 10%, we are happy. We think God now should protect you when you are flying. And if your son says he feels called of God, to push the gospel into different areas. Hey, come on. Please, oh. Hey, hey. You know the kind of thing you start. You don't know what that means. I wish I could say it in evil. This speaking don't kill me. Because your son says, I've been called of God to push the gospel into difficult areas. I start calling people like my friend, Pastor Courage. I start asking, what are you still doing there? He has never called you to complain about anything. You're asking what he's still doing there. Like he said, you don't realize the only reason why you have peace where you are is because I'm still doing there. And now asking what am I still doing there? Instead of you to wake up in the morning, call such men every day. How are you doing today, sir? How is the family? Please. My family and I, we are eating bread and egg. And I just said that we should send you your own bread and egg. In fact, for the next 30 days, as we are eating bread and egg, the Lord said I should tell you to eat bread and egg too. How much is it? <laughs> That's the kind of call you should be making. It's true. That's the kind of call you should be making. That I'm about to buy a cow. I just realized I didn't know missionaries there that need, need motorcycles. All the ones banned in Enugu are bought 10. We are shipping them to you. What about your car? It can wait till next year. 
That's not the kind of calls we should be making. We won't go prosper so small. It's how to buy the house abroad. And people will now be writing stupid, 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 annoying, annoying, you know, principles on planning for your future. And I don't put a house in London. One of our brothers wrote it there that, you know, <laughs> 10 year plan to buy a house abroad. Listen, don't believe this rubbish gospel of grace so that God doesn't punish Christians. Anyway, he won't punish your flesh. Let me pray for you. But all those your stupid houses hidden in different places, we will punish them. And your woman will collect it from you. Why? Because, oh, he said, you have all run to your own paneled houses. That is the problem of Christianity. Everybody running to his own paneled house. The only offerings many people give is how to multiply paneled houses. As I'm sowing this seed... Next year, I shall complete a new duplex in Banana Island. What we set standards for us, and we're asking this land, why is it advancing? Why won't it advance? Let's continue reading, Job. Those that abide, they will bear fruit, as a matter of fact. Those who have not been distracted by the standards of the world, those who the world have not taught what is important and what is not important, they will bear fruit. Those who take the word of God as important, as life, who treasure it, who treasure it more than food itself, they will bear fruit. Those who are eager to obey Jesus and obey the words of the Lord Jesus, they will bear fruit. They will bear fruit. He said, but when they are bearing fruit, I need them to bear what? More fruit. So I start pruning them. And that's what I'm talking about. I start perfecting them. Because the fact that they are bearing fruit doesn't mean everything is okay. I learned this some time ago, a few years now. And every time I hear testimonies about what God is using the words we are preaching from here to do in the lives of people, as much as I'm encouraged, some things scare me a bit. Because once, or many times, my wife and I will discuss it and say, do you realize we could have refused to do this? Do you realize we could have gone somewhere else? Do you realize that we too could have looked for many things that other people are looking for? I don't think I'm the most anointed preacher I ever heard. I mean, around me. This part of it that scares me. And I say, Banky, are you sure this is all the Lord wanted to do at this season? Or your unfaithfulness did not allow him to go beyond this? I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, I learned that a few years ago. So if I hear, oh, my life has changed ever since I met your messages, I hear from 10 people. I start wondering, Banky, are you sure they're not supposed to be 20? Literally, I start checking. Where are the areas where we have retarded the advancement? Inka, that's one of the reasons why I called you that. They say, that job, I want it done within one month. Remember? That one. I said, I want that thing done within a month. Why? Because it's a field that's opened. There's one field now, I say, I've, been, I've been covering my mouth, so I won't say it before it finally manifests. There's one door that's opening right now. Hey, I said, God, oh, please let it finish opening. The day he finishes open, opening it, hey God, I don't know how I will feel. But some of those doors, maybe they are supposed to have opened like three, four, five, seven years ago. But because we wouldn't do what we are supposed to do, they have not yet opened. So we don't just rejoice and be you know, excited over the ones that has happened. We start in quotes, not worries, literally in our body. We start becoming you know, curious to say, Lord, is it possible you wanted to do more or did not allow you? Please help us. That's why Jesus said, 
he that bears fruit, I will prune. Because oftentimes the one bearing fruit, there's much more fruit he could be bearing, but which hindrances, encumbrances, are preventing the fruit from manifesting. So God said, what am I going to do? Remember, for God there must be progress. That's when it makes sense. There's constant progress. Things must keep moving. They must keep moving. We must keep advancing. That's the only one he understands. And listen, the amount of work, the amount of grace that's available to... Grace is the power of God to do things around. Grace is the power of God for effectiveness. The amount of grace that is available is dependent upon the amount of preparation in your heart and in your life. That's why, you know, as a preacher, maybe because I, I head Kingdom World Ministries, I have a primary responsibility of believing God for money and all of that, and all of us working together too. But I kind of take the lead, all right? I learned long ago that it's not pray God, more money, more money, more money, more money. We keep declaring, we keep blessing him for the what he has sent and request that he send some more. But deep inside my heart, I know that it is not harassing him for more money that brings more money. It is the one that he has sent, use it effectively. That's number one. Number two, make sure that the spiritual pool is full. The fountain is full so that we have enough to spread abroad. I hope you're getting my point here. It is not, more money, more money is pipeline. More money is pipeline. But if there is no water to pa- pass down the pipe, what are we building more, pipe, more pipes for? And this is what God is saying. If you produce, through spiritual discipline, enough material, spiritual material to disperse abroad, the more money has been commanded to come. So, what you need to do is not worry yourself about money. Jesus said that when I sent you out without purse, I told you to take nothing extra. Did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said, so don't worry about it. So he said, don't worry about it. Just make sure that you are, person- first of all, personally, you are spiritually disciplined. Paul said, take it to yourself. Start with that one first. Make sure that you are constantly spiritually disciplined. You're always learning new things. Your ears are tuned to something new that the Lord wants to do. Just, just so you'll understand. That's one reason why we are doing this minister's program this week. This coming week. is in seven days time. Because one day I reasoned about it. Lord, what new thing are we supposed to be doing? Reach out to other preachers now. I said, Lord, thank you very much. When the thought dropped in my mind. And instantly we started planning it. It's going to come to pass in a week's time. Tell me that's prosperity. Oh, yes, that's prosperity. That a new door is opening. So that, like Paul would say, if by, by, by chance, I'm just borrowing that expression, we can pass that same spirit to other people. So I call Pastor Corey, please come. Let's join hands together and pass this spirit of apostleship into people. If more people are doing it, Nigeria is blessed. Africa is blessed. That is, the church is first blessed. So let's start with that. The church of God is blessed. The people of God disperse here and there, they are blessed. So God said, for you to increase, I will do what I have to do in your life to make you able to carry a greater amount of grace. So he says, he that bears fruit, I will do what? I will prune. What does pruning mean? Let's continue reading that. Now, first of all, I want us to read something. Acts chapter 7. We're going to read two portions of the Bible. First of all, Acts chapter 7. And then we'll go back down to Genesis and read the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 11. Let's start with Acts chapter 7. The Lord is good. 
I hope you are getting blessed. Now, um, let's see what Stephen said here. Acts chapter 7, verse 1. The high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Now listen to this. Leave what? Your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and traveled to Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him move to this country in which you are now living. But he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground. And yet, when he had no child, he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke to this effect that his descendants would be aliens and all of that. Now, for time's sake, okay, let me just stop reading here. Now, bear that in mind. Now, I want you to go to Genesis chapter what? Okay, Genesis chapter 11. Quickly, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. I want to bring out something here. Let me just start from verse 27. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth, in awe of the Chaldeans. Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. Sarai and Milcom. Just jump in now. Now, if we go down to verse 31. Now, notice this. Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot his son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And went out together from all of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of what? Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. Next line. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let me stop here. Now, why did I read this? these two portions? They will look like there's a small contradiction. Okay? That, that's why you have to study well when you are reading these things. When Stephen was going to talk, he made it clear to us, and it is true, that when God first spoke to Abraham, alright, he was still where? In awe. Are you getting my point? The Lord did not first speak to him in Haran. God spoke to him first of all in awe. But what did God tell him in awe? He told him to leave his father's house. And his, the land, the relatives, and go to a land he will show him. Then Abraham did what? He packed his father and some of his relatives and started moving. So the journey had to stop in Haran. They were in Haran until his father died. I don't know why his father died. But all I know is that that journey ended in Haran and did not commence until his father was dead. After the father died, Instead of leaving the family, you know what he did? 
he continued with Lot. And we'll get to the matter of Lot later. You know what the Bible says? He that bears fruit, I will do what? I will prune. He moved, that was fruit. But he couldn't go far. So God pruned him. The first pruning was a loss of his father. That loss was necessary for the journey to move beyond Haran. Let me tell you something about pruning. Pruning is painful. But it's necessary for spiritual advancement. Listen, apart from your wife, it's not everybody that God has joined with you. God joined Sarah with him. He said, look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was one, alone. So he saw the two of them as one. So he never asked them to separate. But everybody else had to separate from Abraham. His father was the first to go. Why? Because the word of the Lord was leave your father. The man said, no, I can't leave him like that. So he carried him and his life's journey stopped in Haran until the man died. He that bears fruit, I will prune. Listen, you know, I'm happy you have all accepted to be serious Christians. Amen? Amen. And serious Christianity is not nice, nice Christianity. It's not. God prunes people. He, re- he removes some things that you love so much. Oh, yes, he does. There are some women, God will say, I'm removing your hair. I'm removing your makeup. It, it will sound funny. Do you know the reprint said something once which interested me? He said, one day the Lord spoke to him clearly. That you have gained too much weight. Go and lose it. Seriously. There are people that, there's one young man, I won't mention the name, but if you ask me later, I'll tell you who. He was part of a church in this town. Vibrant man of God. Then he sat in the church and sat and sat and sat. I think, well, for certain reasons, I believe the Lord kept on telling him, go, leave. He wouldn't leave. So one day, he had an accident. A bus load full of people. Only the two pastors in the car died. A bus load full of human beings. A whole bus load. The thing tumbled. Only the two people inside the vehicles bearing tied to pastor died. I'm convinced. I know the way the Lord behaves. He had told him, leave this father's house. This place, this place where you have been hiding, I don't like it. You don't belong here. Get up and walk away. And God has opened doors for him many times to move, but he refused to go. So God said, I'm sorry. If that's the way you like it. He that bears fruit, I will prune. Abide in the vine. One reason why people don't abide eh, is fear. There are many people that are not bearing any fruit anymore because they have decided to shield themselves. You know, let me tell you something about ministry. Ministry is interesting. Ministry, very interesting. My experience about it, many people are inside some denominations only because the denominations provide a corporate structure of promotion and income. I say a lot, I just be laughing sometimes. Can <laughs> one bro where I pull one day say, I didn't know how to tell you, say, you want to get injured? Like, what are you waiting for all this life? When do you plan to do the will of God for your life? When? But you know, Denominations are, listen, remember, each person has his own race, okay? I'm not saying this, that everybody must follow this particular path, okay? I know people that were not in denominations, they went and joined as led by the Spirit. And that opened great doors for ministry for them. This particular man I have in mind, and I'm saying that. He was outside, doing well. When I say doing well, I don't mean driving big cars and flying private. I just mean that ministry, doing well. 
Then one day told me he's joined a particular denomination. And he joined and God used it to even open greater doors. I'm not judging whether it's right or wrong, but I'm just going to say that different things for different people. See, for him, what he told me is that there's a kind of mission field that that was for him. But there are people that their own is, listen, let's hide here. Here we'll be promoted. One day we'll become regional pastor, international pastor. Then the higher you go, the more money you earn. Listen, if you want to join federal civil service, why don't you just join federal civil service? There are some thoughts you shouldn't have concerning some things. Even if, if, for those who are not in ministry, you can't even do federal civil service like that. God will not like you. If you don't see a sense of purpose and a sense of mission in the Christianity that God wants, please get up and get out. Listen, let me tell you something, if you're a believer, anything that you see as a shield, a cover for, you know, for provision, protection for material you know, security, God will remove it. He's going to remove it, though. He's guaranteed to remove it. If you get a job in a particular institution and you rejoice like, Praise God, I finally got a job in ExxonMobil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm made for life. Do you know what happened? Let me tell you how much God loves people. He can shut down a whole multi-billion dollar oil company just because of only you. No, he does does such things. You just look. So what do you do to this boy? Render the Nigeria branch bankrupt. Cause problem between them and the oil producing community. Just do something. He can do that, but most of it doesn't have to go that fast. Eh? There was one day, one brother, <laughs> when we were school those days. Let me tell you something, believers, eh? Don't ever feel comfortable. What did I say? Please tell your neighbor, don't be comfortable. Don't be comfortable. Tell your other neighbor, don't be comfortable. Uh-huh. Tell the person, be on edge. I know what I'm saying. Don't ever get an idea, yeah, we have now settled, we, we have made it. That is, that is, which other word do I use? I don't want to use a very dangerous sounding word, but that is bad. You have sentenced yourself to a lot of trouble. Many years ago, one of our brothers, he got a job. Beautiful job in one big company like this. I won't tell you the kind of company, but they were paying him well. I saw him, I greeted him, how, how now? So, you know, he was looking like a man who had eaten. I remember, I saw the sunshades he was wearing. And he told me how much he bought it. And I told him it was a lie. I said it was a lie simply because as a student, I didn't believe it was possible. I don't know whether I get my point. It's like me now, you know. You know, you meet a student. You sit down. And I just graduated a few years ago, three years ago. And I put sunshades down in today's Nigeria now. So, find some shit you have there. Say, yeah, I bought it. You tell the name, and tell the person it's 100,000 naira. You know, he's going to look at you like, bros, are you okay? Now, 100,000 naira, listen, especially if he knew you, you were in school together, you just happened to be his senior. You return 100,000 naira for, for some shit. Why? You and me, you know, the one we use, how much is it? 500 naira. Now, that's why you don't know how to price, though. Those who know how to price, it's 350. Please, how many people are using the one of 15,000 here? <laughs> one day I was coming from Lagos. I got to the airport. <laughs> Me and Yinka that day, we go preach, finish. We're coming back home. We reach Ikeja airport. So I said, Yinka, let me buy some shades for my wife at least. Let me just buy something expensive. Not, not all these 6,600 naira, 5,500 naira, 1,000 maximum. I said, let me just buy something that. I, I said, I know it's costly, but it doesn't matter. So in my mind, Pastor, you want to pay 7,000 naira 
for sun shades. Okay, the Lord will forgive you. At least your wife will like it. I was thinking, so I can't reach there. There was one of Belenge in high heels selling the thing. <laughs> you're welcome, sir. You're welcome, sir. I said, yeah, I want to get something for my wife. Okay, yeah, for your wife. My wife, yes. Okay. She picked like this. Like that. I said, oh, this looks nice. Look at Yinka. It looks nice. Yinka said, oh, God, this thing costs too. I said, no fit cost like that. We will pray. I mean, enjoy it. In my mind, if we pay ten times normal, she, you come like 7,000. I know so. I can't ask again. So I liked one nice, simple one. How much be this? He gave me 10, 75K. Nika <laughs> <laughs> said, Yeah, I told you. <laughs> he said, I told you. This. I said, What? I said, Okay, thank you. He said, No, 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 don't worry. Again. Well, you know, brought me when I was very, very, very cool looking, not expensive. This one is cheaper. How much is that one? He said, 40,000. I looked again, so okay, they go out. I said, Maybe you don't understand. The wife where I marry. If I carry this in the house. <laughs> And I tell her I bought it for 75000 there. I said, she will tell me to go back to Ikeja, where I'm coming from. I said, okay, look, it's not even the money that's the problem. It's the woman I want to buy for that's the problem. <laughs> and you know, oh, may God give you the kind of blessing he has given me. I know they fear anybody. It's my money. Is it your money? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. My life right now, I'm not ashamed to say I'm not buying. I tell the no, for I've already married, so I don't need to impress you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Better the case. Hey, my sister, the wife I married, if I carry this one go house, there will be a problem in the family. So thank you very much. Well, like, let us be going to Enugu. This is Lagos people. Enugu <laughs> <laughs> destroy somebody. <laughs> uh, that can you go you reach traffic for Enugu. Give me seven. The Lord is good. <laughs> now back to my Jesus. So that did that brother. You know, he just dropped that kind of thing. I'm like, what? You know, I was alarmed. <sighs> you know, I didn't believe him. I didn't know it was possible. So he, he told me, no, he told me, he, told, he showed me the label, showed me the name. That, that's how much it is. Oh, I kept quiet. So one of my friends saw him. I said, he saw that guy. He said, they were talking, and the man said to him, I'm made. The following month, he was dead. If I'm mistaken, then it's a few months later. But that year, he was dead. Ah, we are lambed. And he died in a very interesting way. He just bought a car. When Pastor Courage and I talked about it then, we, know we're very, we were young, they were still in school that time. I, think I, I was just now graduating around this time, this one happened. I think so. But that day, I was talking with Pastor Courage. Said so the last thing he told me, he said, was it not the man who you said, said I'm made? That's the last thing that's stuck in our heads. I'm made. And then that statement never left me. I said, I'm made. No. So I know they make again. No. <laughs> I know they make. Oh. No matter, I'm not made though. Baba God. Even if you make me, I will break them by myself so that so we can continue. Honestly. Honestly, no, this Christian work, we have to be persistent, we have to be dogged, we have to keep pushing forward. We never settle, we never settle, we never settle. No matter how much we have achieved, no, there's more to achieve. There is more to achieve. 
And when God wants to make us go up, you know what he starts doing? He starts removing things. There are things we like so much. There are people that God say, okay, this job, I won't remove you, I'll remove the job. If you have not read the story of uh, John G. Lake, I quote him a lot. Please go and get his books and read. Read the story of his life. Rich man doing insurance business in America. And God stripped him of everything. He had to believe God for money to take the boat to South Africa. But when he hit South Africa, go and see miracles. Go and see the kind of power that followed him about. So when God is stripping things from you, don't, be, don't feel bad. Just set your eyes on something higher. And you know the material things that he's stripping from you, they are not big deals. For, for Lot, for Abraham, for him to leave Haran, his father had to die. There are many people, the place of comfort in their lives, that is what God will remove. God will remove those places of comfort just so that they can move. The church, you know, it's unfortunate. The church does not realize that their God is powerful. He's a living God. He's a, all, that is, he's a mighty man of war. Islamic headsmen are not, they don't scare him. So anytime you see trouble, you look inwards and say, God, where have we settled? Because sometimes Christians settle in uncleanness. Said, so arise and depart. This is not the place of your rest because it is polluted. Sometimes we settle in that which is unclean. Sometimes denominations, oh, that one that was guaranteed. Many of them will scatter. And they will scatter in a good way. Look, listen, when you start hearing churches breaking and they are leaving and they are cleaving and, you know, they are just leaving and this one pastor leaves, carry half of the congregation, don't, be, don't feel bad. God does that deliberately. So when everybody is settled, when they are formed, they say, to a very nice civil service. I will scatter it. No, there are churches now that they are civil service. You join at level 8 and you keep on getting promotion and one day you'll be the Pope. Pentecostal church with Pope. Many young ministers inside there, there was a time when I sacked a lot of pastors and people were angry. I said, no, no. There's no need to be angry. If you are called, go out and go and preach. What are you angry over? It's because you are not called to ministry. If you are really called, why are you angry? If tomorrow I come here, now they lock the door in this place. And then Israel, okay, Mute, Felix, and Yinka, they just gather and say, we have decided that we have had enough of you in this ministry. <laughs> we have now laid our hands on the apostle. Okay, Mute is the, next, is the new pastor of Kingdom World. As God in heaven lives, I won't even quarrel. You know what I will do? I will cross the road, rent one small shop there, put another pulpit there, and start preaching. If I'm called, are you getting my point? You will come and check us in two years. Sure. I, I, when I see pastors fighting over congregations, I'll be looking like, are you called? Because I can't understand it. And you know, the way the Lord brought me up, there are things I have never understood. There's one church I won't mention the name. I don't like to spoil your mind because if I tell some of these things, you won't go to church again. Till now, after many years, the founding pastor and his, his assistant, his co-founder that took over from him, they are still in court. Fighting over who is the owner of this mission. And I'm wondering, like, two of you, in a decree, so, because I can't understand. How can two pastors be in court, be fighting? Over, this church used to be called the Secrets and Truths Mission Incorporated. And that person changed the name and turned into Kingdom Truths Mission. So they're now fighting over who get the land, who not get the land, who get the chair, who not get the chair. And how many... Maybe 20 years later, they are still in court. I don't know. Sorry, am, I the, am I normal? I mean, I did the ones that are crazy. Because one of the two of us has to be abnormal. Because we all understand it. If I was the one, I do like this. 
God bless you, sir. And I'll go and buy a huja. You know what they call a huja? That, that speaker. Eh? I'll go down the road. I won't talk about you. I'll just say, Jesus is coming again. Amen. Repent and be baptized. Amen. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start teaching the scriptures. If I'm called, the sign will show. The land and the building people are fighting over is nothing. I'll leave that for you. I don't know why pastors fight over some things. I don't understand why. As far as I'm concerned, they are not called. They, they like that structure. We promoting promote fight for promotion. I'm now supreme evangelist. I'm saying many things, Sabi. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. This is the point I'm making. Many times God will remove things in our lives. We have to remove terror from the life of Abraham. So Abraham could leave Haran. And in your life, sometimes God will remove something. Some of the places where you have gone to hide. Don't feel bad. It's because you are bearing fruit. And sometimes what was, what was an advantage becomes what? An encumbrance later. Yes. Many times what's an advantage becomes an encumbrance. Yes. After Paul shakes his city, people will be ready to canonize him in this city. So God, you don't wink like this. Some spirit will just go stir people up against Paul. Fight, fight, we start. Then he goes to the next city, shakes that one again. Then they will drive him again. In driving Paul each time, the gospel keeps advancing. Many times what we consider an advantage becomes an encumbrance. Remember, no shred, no iota of the destiny that God has planned for you will be missing. Amen. You will fulfill every part of it. Amen. And God needs you. He needs you. This is the church. is God's hope for, the, the, for this earth. For this nation. And the church must advance. And you will first personally advance in your own life. Amen. And God's power will flow through your hands. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for the word today. Let's say, Father, we we'll thank you. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give him thanks for truth. For the spirit of seriousness. Uh-huh. The spirit of faithfulness. The spirit of righteousness. The spirit that gives his life totally to the Lord that he has given to us. Our Father, we thank you. We give you the praise in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. As you go out, safety is your portion. As you return, safety is your portion. All the disadvantages of your life they will turn out to be advantages for you in Jesus' name. This week that is coming, doors that people thought would never open, doors like that will open for you in the name of Jesus. And very importantly, total health is your portion. Whatever be the affliction that's trying to hold on to you, you have been forgiven, so it makes it what an oppression of the devil. Therefore, you are free from oppression in Jesus' name. I rebuke that affliction, and I command it to leave your body in Jesus' name. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you are free in Christ Jesus. Walk in that freedom now in the name of Jesus Christ. For your sake, this nation is blessed. For your sake, peace will dwell in this land. God will make you dwell in safety. He said, in peace will I lay me down and sleep. For the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety. It's not the country, it's the Lord. But the Lord will put peace in this land for your sake. In the name of Jesus Christ. You are a blessing to wherever you go. You are a blessing wherever you stay. You are a blessing in your neighborhood. You are a blessing in your family. God will make all grace abound towards you. 
you will have all sufficiency in all things, Amen. and you will abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.